episode of EdTech Hour is brought to you by the Educational Psychology Technology Program at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. The Chicago School's mission is integrating the values of education, innovation, service, and community. The Chicago School provides students innovative and practitioner-based learning experiences in which they're able to positively impact others around the world and address issues faced by underserved populations. Through collaboration of university administration, faculty, and students, the EdTech Hour was created in order to pursue our vision of innovation and global outreach. This monthly podcast series will include thought leaders from around the world who will discuss relevant issues centered not only on technology, but also the impact of technology on humanity. Speakers will provide listeners with stories of how they have impacted learners, employees, and communities through the pursuit of understanding how individuals learn and use technology to improve performance. This show provides a global medium to share and promote various issues and developments and learning and how professionals are utilizing technology. By listening to the show, I hope that you are able to develop a unique insight into how you can incorporate similar topics and trends into your own professional settings. I look forward to learning more about our topic with you throughout this episode. Okay, well, welcome. Um, This is one of our podcasts for the Chicago School Doctoral Program. And today I'm excited because we have Georgina Harris here, who is recording this from Tanzania, uh, specifically Tanga, because she runs Pomojaleo. And Pomojaleo is this incredible NGO over there that provides support for women in the community so that they can raise the children they choose to mother. And this is this is so that no child has to grow up in an orphanage and that every child knows the love and belonging of a family. So I'm going to, Georgina, I'm going to ask you to share more about that briefly, if you sure. could, because I think you'll do a way better job than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pomodileo essentially has a mission to redefine the way that children are cared for, uh, specifically uh, children who are vulnerable, orphaned, abandoned, and abused. And um, our goal is to strengthen the resources and services available to children and their families, and also to support women to be able to provide the care that children need in a time of crisis. Um, and We do that predominantly by focusing on, you know, what is it essentially that families need that will prevent families from breaking down and what services can we provide to ensure that children get the, you know, best care that they, that they deserve, essentially. And doing that against the backdrop that for a long time, orphanage care or institutional forms of care have kind of dominated and are, in, are continuing to kind of be uh, increased, especially in East Africa and Tanzania. And we know that that isn't really the best place for a, ch- for a child uh, to grow up. And we also know that families and communities really want to care for their children. And so looking to shake up the way that child protection is done. And that's sort of a, a short way of <laughs> explaining a big picture. <laughs> sure. And, and you know, you have so many neat programs. I mean, so what you do is you help provide medical food formula and things yes. for, for grandmothers, aunts. Uh, you yes. know, I, I, 
the, the extended family who will step in if something happens to the mm-hmm. uh, the child's parents. Yeah. 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 So we run out of a, we have a, we call a family care center and we uh, have an early childhood development space, which provides um, free services to children and their families who are maybe experiencing crisis or the death of a, of a biological parent, um, they've been abandoned or they've been abused and mistreated. And we work to find, number one, a safe place for them to live, whether that's with grandma, auntie. And we also trained the very first, what we call in Tanzania, fit persons, which other people might understand as foster carers, but it's foster carers, Tanzanian, you know, not mm-hmm. maybe what Americans would understand as foster care. It's a uniquely sort of Tanzanian style of foster care. And so we'll find children to say family to live in, to start with, whoever that might be, and then provide services. So out of the Early Childhood Development Centre, we have a free daycare and preschool. We provide free food to children who are enrolled in that programme. We have business training classes, counselling and support services for the family. And then we also have our baby project, which specifically provides, you know, formula milk for infants who have not got a lactating mother. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a whole range of services that kind of wraps around a family and a child or particularly a woman and a child so that Mm -hmm. that that woman can mother the child in their care. And majority of the time that is grandmas and aunties. I would say that was the Mm -hmm. vast majority of the carers that we do work with. Um, But sometimes it's biological mothers, maybe biological mothers in crisis so that they don't have to lose their children. Or sometimes that is, as I said, fit families or foster carers. Yeah, sure. And that's neat. And and something that, well, I'm always interested in all of your programs, but you have Mm -hmm. the... um, Child care center, the the early childhood learning center, where you have um, mm-hmm. a couple of classrooms with little ones, and using mm-hmm. um, play based and trauma informed teaching practices, um, yes. which is quite rare <laughs> uh, for the for that region. Yes, yeah, so, so we run a um, a play based curriculum, and we try and work from a trauma informed care perspective and so what that means is that we recognize that you know children in crisis um, need extra support to develop and thrive and grow and learn and um, uh, making sure that you know their access to care is full of joy and fun and (laughs) supportive (laughs) carers um, which is part of ensuring that children you know are safe and secure in their family that they're growing up in but also get a chance to you know access really high quality early childhood Mm -hmm. development services so a lot of the children that will be part of that program probably have experienced you know undernourishment or malnutrition you know because Mm -hmm. they have lacked maybe a mum a biological mother to be able to breastfeed them sometimes or they've been growing up in a family where grandma took in a lot of grandchildren after the death of a a mum so food was tight and so supporting Mm -hmm. children to feel safe and secure again that food is is um is abundant and to actually maybe experience some of the joy of childhood in a time where they've um had to maybe grow up too quickly or experience things that are quite difficult the center really works to try and make sure that we can you know provide healing and play during that early childhood period yeah it's amazing yeah and and 
hopefully we'll put a link at the end. We have a, a good program that is a teacher sponsorship. So yes. you're sending youngish women to um, it's just some, a, a really good teacher training program for a year, which is, you know, I think that's so important because that's changing their life. Um, and it changes their, you know, their own future children, as well as the kids in your classroom, you know, that it's just, um, yeah, you know, that's a really important one as well. What we found is that we what we what we do at our our center is quite unique, and so we were having a few uh, ladies come and volunteer there who were just showing who were just incredibly naturally talented with children, and working with them to sort of see the different ways that we that we work there. And um, but the problem in Tanzania is you have to be qualified in order to work with children, and mm. so we were finding that a lot of the ladies that had great natural potential with children and to, to sort of implement this style of working weren't qualified educators and so yeah the program to sponsor teachers to go through to get their professional qualification we've had one lady go through um and she is now a full-time teacher in our classroom <laughs> she volunteered for 18 months beforehand just for the pure love of children um yeah. and not not coming necessarily from a you know sometimes you think volunteering means that you've got a lot of resources available to you not particularly she was a, a lady that lived quite close by to the to the up to the center and just really had a love for children and so after uh, 18 months of volunteering we asked her if she would like to become qualified and then the second girl she actually grew up in an orphanage and um, also had a love for children and wanted to get into teaching. And so she's the second lady that's going to go through mm -hmm. and become qualified so that she can then go on and work with children. So it's quite a, it's quite a yeah. fun program because we're able to sort of ensure that people with a passion and a, a real knack or a nature for children have the opportunity mm -hmm. to get the professional qualification they need to make that a career. Sure, sure. It's such a neat you know, trickle out kind of uh, system as well. So that's, that's exciting, I think, um, to hear yeah. about. But, you know, something that's really, you do so much and it's such a variety, I mean, with the same core is, is helping improve um, children's lives. But, you know, tell me, what, tell me about your background um, prior yeah. to working and setting up Pomojaleo. Sure. So I did my undergraduate online whilst traveling from a um, the London School of Economics, I did a, a degree in um, international development and I had a specific focus on East Africa at that time. And sort of during that time, I became exposed to the volunteer tourism industry and mm -hmm. how that directly related to children um, in, in orphanages. And so what in a nutshell, what that kind of looks like is that um, 80 percent of children in orphanages have living known families and that volunteer tourism was 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 acting as a kind of a draw to making children sort of exit the family and be in orphanages so that there were children for people to volunteer with. It's so, such a warped thing to get your head around. Um, but this was something I, I came across when I was in Kenya and it just it just really shook me and I became kind of. Um, obsessed I guess is the right word with understanding this and it really became the focus of my degree was to really look at, at, at that so I was already on this degree path but I kind of started to look at it from this lens and put a lot of the work I did after that into really understanding that 
side of things you know how charity can go wrong how you know good intentions can lead to bad outcomes and what was driving from multiple perspectives this sort of this broken system I guess of child protection in a lot of East Africa and so that was what I did my undergraduate in I then went on to do my master's in um, development education and child rights in practice um, from the Institute of Education again in the UK and I also did that distance learning, but I, I did my master's program whilst running Pomodileo as well. Um, and so that was sort of my education background. And along the way, I sort of did a lot of courses around um, looking at child resilience, looking at things like alternative care, which is the name for, the, for, the, for children living outside of the biological family unit, for that kind of alternative care space sector. And sure. yeah, so that was my educational kind of background. It was sort of a, a weaved because <laughs> I was uh, not attending a university. I did all of my sort of further learning as a distance learning student. I was able to kind of do other things along the way <laughs> and other sure. things at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think that would resonate with our, our students because uh, we that's the bulk of ours I should, in our, pro well, all of them in our doctoral program. And, um, but it's varied. We have some campuses as well, but okay. um, yeah, so that's exciting to hear that you were able to do that. And, you know, while setting up this NGO and working it, you know, so much, so many people want to go into policy and work with governments and working mm -hmm. with the big agencies. How did you then decide to set up Pomodileo instead of tackling it at the, shall we say the yeah. larger level? Yeah, so Pomodileo is the Swahili word for together, which is Pomodja and Leo is today. And um, the kind of ethos behind the charity was looking at things from more of a grassroots level. What would radical acts of togetherness look like in recreating a child protection system that is focused on locally led kind of solutions to care? And that was a really important part of it because, you know, the, there is a lot of great policy change around this particular field. And if people are interested in that, I'm happy to kind of mention some great policy stuff. But there was a real lack of, especially at the time, practice, a really good uh, body of knowledge of practice. And so it was about looking at it from a grassroots level and taking it back to families want to care for their children communities want to be safe spaces for children that was sort of the belief people do want to act and care but there was a real lack of investment in kind of that grassroots level work mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it was about homogeneous was more about creating models of practice that was investing in sort of the real grassroots level, but then feeding up to the policy level about models of practices that work. And I feel that there's a real sense of disconnect. And Pomodule does a lot of work around advocacy now. We talk mm -hmm. a lot to governments and to different actors at a higher level because we've got a great body of knowledge and experience, I think, and also lifting up the voices of the people that we do work with so that it can reach sort of policy level of, of change. Because I think there is a real disconnect there and a lot of the a lot of the problems I think especially in this field had come from a lack of investment in in families and in communities that grassroots level intervention hadn't been 
the focus and so mass institutionalizing children was just a really like <laughs> convenient way of handling you know children and families in crisis and mm-hmm. so and also this sector had been very much dominated by not necessarily like large charity but very much western-led charity so you know the main funders of orphanages are foreigners you know not local people it was not a local solution it was an imported solution mm-hmm. and uh, in Uganda alone the statistics I mean it's the only country in East Africa that we've got statistics for but a quarter of a billion dollars is pumped into Uganda into orphanage care every year wow. I mean it's staggering and a lot of that is through religious organizations church communities you know I think the U.S. is the largest funder of orphanage care in Uganda And so there was a lot of kind of a lot of assumption for of what the problems were and what people needed and what children needed. And which was a lot of foreigners were pumping in money into orphanages that were essentially breaking up families. And so Pomodule wanted to really sit in a gap of saying we're assuming that families do care and we're looking at what families and communities want to do. And um, how can we support them in keeping their children? And with that model, we saw that it really did. It, it has a different. It works. It does work. <laughs> um, it awesome. simply put, it does work. And so it was really about looking at. Yeah, I guess it was about trying to see a space of pulling together local communities to act together. And whilst there's a great space for policy, and we do, I love. I love. You know, a lot of the advocacy work is my passion. Um, I think there was a real need for investment into kind of the more grassroots level of stuff. Definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm glad that to hear how you are getting that voice on the, on the, <laughs> at the table, if you will, at the, 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 you know, the higher level now, because of the, the experiences that you've had, which, you know, so many times we, we don't listen to the people who are the grassroots who are actually doing things. Um, do we, 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 we bring in external consultants and yeah <laughs> to kind of look at that so that's that being said what i mean you've you've said you took classes and you've you've described your your background um educationally but what were the skills or set that you needed or any kinds of training to actually do it you know to actually set up i mean you have schools you have classrooms you have you know programs <laughs> and hiring people and i mean it's quite a it's quite a a large skill set i mean you 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 ha- you do so many different things you know but what can you describe some of those that were the most helpful yeah i think having a really good board and trustees was a big first step i think it's never about an individual especially in these sorts of in the nonprofit world it has to be about a collective of people and so i think that was a big lesson is that it isn't about an individual it's about pulling in a team of people um, around it so i think that was it is about seeing is about being able to pull in a team of people that share a vision mm-hmm. i think another big skill set that i've learned along the way is sometimes you have to throw out what you know <laughs> and learn to just sit and be patient and watch and wait there's a there's a want I think to try and do everything yourself um and sort of you've got a great idea and you want to run with it and I've learned that sometimes the magic is in leaving space for other people to join in and if you try and dominate anything you you don't leave space for other people to show up and so it takes patience and it takes mm-hmm. shifting your attitude I think from 
what does it mean to be proactive and make change? Sometimes it means to really sit, listen and learn and, and be patient. And I, it sounds strange, but a lot of the biggest achievements, you know, of Promoduleo were around, you know, I'll use an example of, of, of our fit person program. There wasn't any foster carers, you know, the Tanzanian version of foster in our, in our, in our region. And we now have 116 uh, families who are trained and ready to receive children in crisis wow. and um, they're all volunteers people said it wasn't possible people said Tanzanians won't do this I mean there was all sorts of horrible biased stereotypes and a lot of it was just in creating conversation stepping back and listening and waiting <laughs> yeah. and just building it like what what would it look like what was possible sure what's possible um and so I think that was a big lesson of just like learning that sometimes a good idea isn't enough. It's about being patient and really seeing yourself as a small part of a bigger picture. And so sure. I think that was a big part of it. To be honest with you, the skill set I wish I had more of, which I definitely don't, and it's something I've had to learn along the way, is I'm a terrible fundraiser and these things take a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. And so I've kind of had to learn that one on the job. And I wish I was a bit more, less naive when we started. I was very much, if we do good programs, people will fund it. That's not necessarily the case. And so I wish I had uh, been less naive on that front of just how much it does take. Full-time work sometimes just to, to be able to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it is about the skill set is just about being adaptable. I think it's you have to when you're working for a small charity, it's not like you have a department for this and a department for that. Small charities are you are the department, you just change hats <laughs> often. Yeah, I'm doing that now. And so it's about really just, I think, uh, for, for us, it was about building a strong foundation programmatically. That was really our, our big aim is putting the systems in place. And we've kind of had to, you know, learn a lot of the other stuff on the job a little bit and I think that's okay too <laughs> sure sure and and so many of these issues I think are, are the same for an NGO or charity around anywhere even if it's in your yeah. home country but yeah. but how do you think working internationally how was that different than if it's in your home country I think you've just got to realize what, what I've realized is you again it's knowing your place I mean you know knowing that you automatically don't have all the knowledge you need to be able to you know be fully effective when you're working cross-culturally there is always going to be blind spots and so that was a big I think that just takes a lot of awareness to know to know what you don't know and to to be clear about that and that's why I said I think it's quite important to have a good board of trustees and a good team you know we've We've been very lucky. We have a really great team of, of staff working at Pomodileo who are the experts in their culture and their area and in what social work looks like in a Tanzanian context. No matter how much I know about social work or child rights, I cannot fully, I'm definitely not going to be the best person to tell you what it looks like in a Tanzanian context. Even after you know a decade of being here, I'm still not going to be the best person to always say that. So I think that is a definite, you know, thing to be aware of if yes. you're doing something internationally that doesn't. Although locally, you know, I think we I think always knowing that when 
we can't be an expert in what we don't really know, what, whatever that means. Even if locally we might be cultural experts, we might lack something else to, you know, and what does it even mean to be an expert in some ways is a little bit of an element of uh, making sure that you are aware of what you don't know and not trying to, it's when you see need or you see an issue, it's, it's really easy to want to be a problem solver, especially if you're that way inclined. Um, Mm -hmm. just always realizing that you don't always have all the information to best solve that problem and it's a more collaborative effort so I think that was it just navigating bureaucracy overseas as as a as a foreigner that can be quite difficult as well (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know that was tough and we it was a challenge when we first set up Modulaio um our first well, it was my home but it was my home and it led into the first office we had you know it burnt to the ground in a bushfire and there's all these sorts of things that you know when you when you start something you can never plan what it's going to look like and there's challenges that you're never going to foresee you know your your home and office burned to the ground in a bushfire is just not one of the things you think of when you sign up um but that's sort of what you have to just learn to pivot and react to things that are completely out of control and out of your depth sometimes you know I wasn't raised in a world where I had to have the skill set to know how to deal with all of these challenges so it's kind of a learn on the job sort of thing that's yeah you can definitely (laughs) see that I mean we having done a lot of work in the Middle East I love that you have to pivot and (laughs) just be prepared to sit at the table and listen to people before you jump in with well we should do such and such you know and because you can't that's just that colonialist view isn't it I'm going to impose my my knowledge on you so I think that's amazing that just listening and and then help you know seeing what ways are appropriate to help yeah and I I, I found that that sometimes you know just another thing with running a charity overseas I think one of the big things I've I've learned over the years is to just to remain focused on what we're doing and why and I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite passionate about the idea of not being donor focused and what it means to actually be community focused, especially in an international context where you've got the majority of your donors are often from overseas. Although we, we're actually increasingly focusing on Tanzanian fund, like fo- fundraising in Tanzania, but um, yeah. is to make sure that sometimes I think charities can bend to the whims of what their donors want this is a challenge mm. that you know we face and to really have a strong stand and to really know what you're doing and why and remaining community focused especially when you you've got this international dynamic to focus on it's it's important mm. for us not to always betray problems that could make the problems continually worse you know if we see yeah. Tanzan if we portray Tanzania as perpetually you know suffering then we're not really doing justice to the bigger problem of people seeing that it's not perpetually suffering and and that there's great ideas that exist locally you you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it can sometimes be hard to not a lot of charity fundraising is like oh there's this desperate need but also there's this really great solutions here and we kind of as foreigners I think we made a problem worse by thinking that solutions didn't exist you know and we came over with our orphanages and, and and rounded up all the children um, instead of hearing that there was great solutions locally so it's remaining focused on that like community-centric ideas which can be hard when you've got a lot of international donors who've got all their own ideas of what the problems are and and ha- what they want to hear about you know their local definitely yeah. 
yeah. I think those are amazing points. You know, with that, and, and you've very nicely again shared the degree, but what would you suggest if somebody were wanting to go into this type of work? Because so much of it seems to be on the ground training as well as, you know, as, as well as your, your degrees, of course. But mm-hmm. what would you ha- suggest to them prior to starting? You know, if somebody wants to change tracks or they're in their uh-huh. you know, younger years, what, what, what degree or training do you think? Well, I think I think finding something that's quite practical. I think that that's great advice. A lot of the people that I know who are doing really great work in this area are doing things like social work and law and things like that. Because I think having a good skill base is important. You know that you could be pulling upon. I would say apply for great grassroots organisations doing really cool work and apply to do some of the back office stuff. I think there's that a lot of people especially I get a lot of applicants who want to come and volunteer for example and they want to do like field work they want to come to Tanzania and go out in the field and I actually think better than that is come and and work in the office you know um yeah and get the get the nitty-gritty of it I think that is great experience I think coming overseas and doing field work probably as a foreigner will not rarely be the best fit for you field work is probably best done by people that get the context in the field but come and do the office work come and see what that in looks like you know from a programming element from you know just all the nuts and bolts from fundraising to reporting to impact assessing all of that stuff I think coming and getting experience in that area is a good idea I think that's a really and, uh-huh. and, and especially if you can come and work in a in a team if you're interested in cross-cultural work come and do cross-cultural work I think we've had again I've, I've had uh, university students come over and they want to lead a team when and it, it's it's an interesting dynamic to watch unfold when they're asked to be led by somebody from Tanzania because they're more qualified than you to be leading. And I think it's 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 an interesting dynamic to see play out uh, with people not really realizing that they're not experts and coming as a learner into Definitely. a I think that's that's important as well specifically if people are interested in like alternative care there's some great courses there's a course on um there's a platform you know these open learning platforms Mm -hmm. like Coursera or something yes there's one called future learn that has a really great course on alternative care and that if anyone's interested in kind of you know being part of of the the alternative care movement I guess in that sense and working towards family-based care and shifting away from institutional forms of care future learn have an amazing course like really good um, for that specific field and I think doing some of those courses is really useful oh that sounds neat yeah thanks um, for sharing I do also think having a strong policy and legal understanding of your sector is important you know 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 what you're talking about before I've, I've met again a lot of people who come with great ideas but not really with respect to well what is the lo- what is Tanzania saying about this specific area what are their goals reading all the national plans of action reading you know all around what is the African Union saying about this area? What is the UN saying about this area? You know, knowing the bigger picture, I think it's valuable as well to come in sure. really well informed at a policy level too. Yeah, yeah, important um, background information. And can people can people volunteer either? I mean, you, you did mention that you have people coming in on site, but, you yeah. know, do you also want people to 
volunteer we remote? Do- yeah, we, we do work with volunteers. We prefer working with longer term volunteers. And we also, majority, well, pretty much all of our volunteer work is not field based. So it will be um, working predominantly in the office on things like programming research or working on our monitoring and evaluation systems things mm-hmm. of that nature um sure. helping with fundraising that kind of stuff but it's it, it you know it's a great dynamic environment to be in but we do we do m- not really offer client facing volunteer roles sure. um, well yeah. it's important not to have children children are not exhibits you know and so they don't yeah. have the volunteers coming in and out of their life uh, yeah. especially the, the daytime you know the ones that come in from the day on a bus which yes so many places southeast asia and, and that they they do this it's yeah really sad to see so um i can understand yeah, that we you do we great at protecting we a, from that yeah we do accept volunteers remotely as well we currently yeah we're looking for a few different volunteers at the moment so like positions yeah so if people well, we'll put a link for that at least yeah. we'll have links yeah. there so so last thoughts here um because mm-hmm. you know i know how busy you are if somebody you know if you could wave a magic wand <laughs> what mm-hmm. do you see as the future for for you yourself and of mm-hmm. course the Mojaleo? yeah I, I mean our big vision is to really share that family-based care does work <laughs> and we yeah. want to share that far and wide that it's possible and we we specifically focus on children zero to five and to really see a shift in the way that people think about programming for you know vulnerable children under the age of five across Tanzania and why overseas you know we really want to reach out to more and more people to understand the harms of institutional care how they mm-hmm. can you know, prevent that in the ways that they travel, the ways that they volunteer, the ways that they donate. And so our our vision is to, to spread the word and the models of care that we've developed. And we are looking more and more at that. Of okay. We don't necessarily want to uh, expand in the sense of replicating little pomodulaires everywhere, but we want to be able to share the work with other NGOs so that they can make, you know, the models their own in their context. And that's a big vision of ours. And then do a lot more work on the advocacy front is a big, yeah, big vision of ours. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, hopefully you can see all of those goals. You have some amazing goals. I know that. And get Mm -hmm. the research and to back it and and just really grow that um, because that Mm -hmm. would be exciting to see, to see more organizations, plus also the government entities really picking up on it and changing the way we do things. Change the way we care. I think that's that's the big the big thing is to ch- to change the way we think about caring for children, the way we think about orphanhood, for example, the way we think about vulnerable children. Is mm-hmm. we've got to start to see them as part of a much wider context, a much wider circle. Everyone needs their people, and making sure that yeah, we all invest in solutions that remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think even those of us who aren't working. Um, in the sector need to be very much aware of this and and doing research I mean we know now we're starting to learn about don't go and ride elephants and having ridden Mm -hmm. elephants 
you know, in, yep. in your long time ago now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know, but we, we need to bring that same knowledge to people yeah. who are traveling about, about visiting children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, even if you don't work in the child protection space or in the NGO space, but mo- a lot of people travel and just making sure that people are aware, you know, if, if a tour operator offers to go and visit an orphanage I just wouldn't use the tour operator I mean really it has to be that clear and let them know why because children aren't tourist attractions and the repercussions of this is huge I mean it's literally changed the way that children were have been looked after for a whole generation of children have really had their what support was available to them altered by creating an industry around um, institutionalizing children and it's sad and we all can hold responsibility for that no matter who we are and also the way we give you know are we investing in this idea that there are children with nobody or are we making sure that we invest in solutions that give them a somebody um and we invest in resources for their their people (laughs) um and i think again there's a lot of different things that we can do in the ways that we give to charity in the ways that we travel um, that can incentivize, you know, Certainly. making sure that families have the right resources. Certainly. Well, I mean, knowing you over the years has just opened my eyes. So I am very, very grateful because I don't think we're having these discussions in the same in in, in the same way that well, I think we are now. We're starting to <laughs> because of people like you. So that's fantastic. I appreciate all of your work and um, the good you. ideas that you're spreading. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But, and while we're on the thank yous, thank you for um, taking part in this because um, again, more ways to get the word out about, about all the good ideas, but also, you know, the hope is that it's, you know, it's not just this NGO that people or this line of NGO work, but it could be anything. There's many areas mm-hmm. that um, people could put good, could go into helping and volunteer with. And so, we're hoping that this will inspire people to to do some some things like that. Yeah. So, Amazing. any last thoughts that just to inspire people to get involved with with an NGO? Absolutely. I think good intentions are great. I think uh, getting involved with an NGO is definitely heart led in the sense that it's great to have the passion and ignite that. And then you got to use your head, think it through, be open your ears be ready to listen and learn and I think if we can find the balance between those sort of three things wanting having the passion having the right knowledge and then opening our ears to listen that's where the magic really happens and I think it's about you know having that fine balance between those three things and then it's golden (laughs) but uh, you know not being too heart-led not being too head-led and not you know just sitting back and doing nothing and it's finding that sweet spot in between those three things that I think is really important. Well, and I think that's an awesome um, note to end on. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to stop it here. And thank you for your amazing words of wisdom. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this edition of EdTech Hour. I'm Dr. Kelly Torres, the Department Chair of the Educational Psychology and Technology Program at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. This podcast was completed through the support of our dedicated faculty, staff, and students. To learn more about the Educational Psychology Technology Program, or if you're interested in being on the EdTech Hour podcast, please reach out to me at ktorres at the chicagoschool.edu.